Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Circle, wrist shot, score, hat trick, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Natea Jay, who's up across the 40, he swings it to the 45, the 50, down the sidelines, he goes, Natea Jay, he's got all sorts of daylight, inside the 10, touchdown Eskimos. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. 26 hours away from kickoff, the Edmonton Eskimos back home where they have been very good taking on the Ottawa Red Blacks tomorrow night, 6 o'clock for the countdown to kickoff on Friday. The game will start at 8. Now for the Eskimos, kicker Hugh O'Neill has been placed on the six-game injured list, so Sean White will handle all the kicking duties tomorrow. Calvin McCarty, the longest-serving Eskimo, he was injured at practice yesterday. He goes on the six-game injured list, so Tanner Green going to take over at fullback. More on the Eskimos as we move along tonight. Ten seconds remaining. Get up, St. Louis. Get on your feet. Raise them high. Five seconds to go, and the time winds down. They did it. It's over. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over, and the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions for the first time in franchise history. All right, that's Chris Kerber with the call from the Blues Radio Network, and we play that tonight. Joining me in studio from the St. Louis Blues the and from St. Albert, most importantly, come on in closer to the mic, buddy. Defenseman Colton Pareko. Colton, good to see you again. How are you doing? All is good. How are you doing? Had you heard that call before? I have not heard that call. I've seen lots of videos, uh, but haven't heard that call. Maybe I've heard it once or twice, but uh, every time I hear it, it's just like, wow, this is crazy that it still happened, actually. And uh, it just I, even just gave me chills right now. It's kind of, it's a cool feeling. Doesn't get old. And what were you, 26? Yeah, 26. And regardless of what happens, and I know you want more, but you'll you'll always be a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah, so that's that's obviously special and uh, something that you can't take away. How's the summer going? James Neal, and the reason I bring up an Edmonton Oiler, was traded from Calgary to Edmonton, as you know, and he went to the Cup Final two years in a row, and he's he believes, and a lot of people have said, part of the reason that he feels he wasn't as good with the Flames was because he'd had two long seasons in a row without a lot of an off season. How are you experiencing that now? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot different. I mean, obviously you play a lot of games and obviously when you go that far, those playoff games are, are that much harder than the regular season games and they're a lot more of a battle and um, then all of a sudden your your summer's short. You're, you're already two months behind. The guys that kind of ha- didn't make the playoffs in April and uh, 
then you need to take a break of of just kind of letting your body rewind and then when do you start training again and it kind of just keeps adding up and adding up and before you know it I'm I'm going back to St. Louis and next week and it's like the summer barely happened I think I've been here for a full two and a half weeks of the full summer and uh, it just goes by really quick but um, I think that that's going to be the most challenging part is to kind of find the median of what what your body's saying uh how you feel and just trying to make sure that you you come to camp as prepared as possible and um it is it is a lot of hockey i think it was over 100 games this year and um that's that's a lot well game seven was june 12th so that's less than two months ago do you you feel physically different than other than other summers or or do you not even think about comparing it not overly i think uh coming into the summer I, I gave myself pretty much the same amount of rest as I would in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been fortunate enough to make the playoffs three of the four years that I've played there. So uh, my first year we made it to the semifinals, and the next year we, we made it to the quarter. So I've had the opportunity to kind of go through a little bit of the playoffs, so I had a feeling of what it was going to be like. So it took me a little bit of time to kind of adjust and, uh, and feel what it was going to be like. But, uh, no, I just think you you got to take it take it by day, and whenever you feel ready to kind of get back in your routine, uh, just get it going, and uh, I think that that's the biggest biggest challenge. Now, now, mentally, do you feel any different than past summers? Because obviously, going deep into the playoffs is is a is a mental test as well. And now in the summer, now now you you came in and did the show last summer as well. So I'm not just bugging you because you're a Stanley Cup champ, but there might be some other people bugging you, or you might have some other responsibilities that you wouldn't have had if you hadn't won the cup so is that has there been some a a time crunch in any way yeah for sure i think um last summer we didn't even make the playoffs or last year we didn't make playoffs so our summer was extended obviously and um now this summer when you win you kind of have a couple more things that are kind of presented your way obviously of the cup day which is a pretty big day you spend some time kind of putting that together we we uh went to new york to do a live uh show uh up there which was fun we we went to the sb awards in la they're just little things like that but obviously these are once in a lifetime opportunities possibly so you want to take advantage of them you want to put them in your summer schedule and you want to make sure that you you do go experience those, those experience those things because they're they're cool and obviously you want to do it with a group of guys that you you did win the cup with because that's that's the team that will be uh, the cup winning team forever. What show were you on in New York again? Uh, the Andy Cohen Live. Watch what happens live. And he's a St. Louis native. He is. So he must yeah. have been thrilled. Yeah, it was pretty cool. He he's been to a few of our games. We we've met him a few times before, and obviously it was it was cool to see him again. And uh, he was pretty excited. And that's the one that you bumped an inside sports appearance for. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll always give Maybe. you a hard time about that. <laughs> no, that was that, that was fine. No, that it was, was fine. Yeah. Uh, here we are, though. I, yeah, you're here. Well, I did. You actually did do a phone interview on the show. Yeah, within during a week of winning the cup. Yeah, yeah. Right, right we, we kept going back and forth trying to find a time. I think right was before cool. uh, we started the finals, I believe. Well, then I talked to you after because I talked oh, a couple right. days after the yes, parade. That is yeah, true. we did one after yeah. round one, and I had you and Jake DeBrusk on yes. before the finals. Yeah. So no, you've been very, okay. very Good, generous yeah. with Inside Sports and talking Perfect. to all your fans in uh, in this part of the world. Uh, we have a texter named Colton out of Lac La Biche who is uh, bailing hay tonight and listening to the show. So thanks a lot for that. He says, uh, hey, Reed, can you ask Colton personally throughout the cup run, what series did you find the most difficult to defend? So I guess, yeah. I mean, you played four pretty dangerous (laughs) teams. That's the thing. Uh, All those teams had a lot of firepower. Uh, 
from my perspective, I mean, obviously Winnipeg was extremely, extremely tough with with their top line, uh, and then Dallas came in with quite I don't know that like all those guys are so good at that. And you were getting especially one on the of top the top line. two lines exactly. on most teams, so, right, if not the top. Uh, I'm just trying to think like. All of them brought different elements, I guess. Dallas played with a little bit more grit, but uh, they could score. Um, Winnipeg was just fast. They had big players on their first line, and obviously uh, they played well together all season. Um, San Jose, they just know how to score, especially on the power play. And, right. Uh, and then Boston, everyone's watched Boston. They they just work so well together, that top line, Pasternak, Marshawn, and Bergeron, and uh, they've been together for a while. And I don't know. like They're all tough. That's a tough question. I don't really have one. They all, you have to defend each of them in different ways, I guess, is the proper answer. So with you being one of the, the top defensemen on the Blues, and like we said, you're you're not just expected to provide offense when you can. You're expected to shut down good players on the other team. And, you know, I know when we when we do Oilers, uh, the face-off show during the season, we talk about potential matchups. And then after the game, I'm on with Rob, and we'll get questions like, well, why didn't Hitcher McClellan have this guy out? On the bench, how I mean, obviously you're conscious of what your coach prefers. How, what is the priority like, or how much do you notice during a game? Oh, they're maxing up their rotation to try to get away from me, or try to get away from Jabe, or or whatever. What's actually going on on the bench during the, those matchup situations? Yeah, we have an idea of who we're matching up against every game, um, who we who we have to be out there against, and so basically, if we're on the bench. Uh, there's two other pairings, so we're kind of waiting to see if if they get that line change out kind of while the other pairing's out there, then we, we know who the next pairing is, and we kind of both have to be ready. And sometimes we're double shifting, sometimes the other set of D is double shifting, kind of depending on the line that comes. If the other D just needs a break, then we'll go out for a quick one against, maybe share a shift against a third or fourth line or whatever. Okay. So, um, but we're kind of just being cautious of who's out there and then kind of, if some of the games you can kind of get in a rhythm of who the coach is putting out and um, kind of they'll play the first, third, fourth, and then the second line or whatever. Okay. You can say, then you can try to time it hopefully, but sometimes they throw you for a curveball, so you kind of got to always be ready on the bench. So that's always going on, eh? The coaches are always looking for that one shift to try to get... Yeah, exactly, and then sometimes you, you do have to play kind of a half or a quarter shift against a different different line, but um, in the playoffs especially, you, I noticed that our team we did a lot of matching and i think obviously a lot of the other teams did as well so mm-hmm. um off or when we're on the way team obviously they get the home home ice advantage for change so sometimes they'll throw out their top line or they'll throw out a different line uh and we just kind of got to play it out until we can get a change and i remember sometimes i'm starting on like face off dot right beside my bench and we'll win the face off and all of a sudden i'll pass the puck over to my d partner and i literally change and uh new, new d partner comes on or kind of something vice versa like that so we kind of just are trying to be aware of all, who's on the ice at all times and um but can that get... throw you off though as an athlete because you'd like your shift and you kind of like that rhythm of the game too right yeah a little bit it, i agree 100 percent that rhythm is a huge part um it's nice to get in the rhythm of the game uh especially if you can kind of just keep going and have your shift and uh, get off and kind of break and then your next one all right so did uh, brad marchand say anything interesting to you during the finals he didn't try to I lick you, remember. which was good. No, I don't think, really, I don't even know if he said anything to me, uh, which is kind of weird, especially when you kind of watch his previous playoff <laughs> performances or his, his kind of clips. But uh, no, not that I can really remember. Was there, the Stanley Cup final is the, the most important series of the year, but nobody wants to take the dumb penalty or hurt their team. So 
was it I mean, obviously it was extremely intense, but was it intense in a different way than a, than a heated regular season game might be? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, in terms of, yeah, because you're, and you're you probably be not going to fight, right? Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I think, well, yeah, for sure. Obviously, it's, I think as, I think it's kind of like that throughout the playoffs as a whole. I mean, as you change from one team to the next, you're kind of game one, game two, game three, game four. It's, I think that we did a really good job of kind of, we didn't necessarily, we knew that they were going to be at least four game series so we wanted to kind of wear the teams down uh play a hard style to play against and even if we didn't win the game hopefully we kind of weared them down a little bit and uh made our, made our lives easier and maybe game five or game six and um it, it's a long all of them are long series and i think we played 26 of 28 games yeah. i think we played six seven six seven so um yeah all the series are long so it's you want to play hard but like you said you obviously got to play smart you got to play um, between the whistles and make sure that you're not taking penalties that could kind of change the game. How close was Dallas to you, d- to knocking you out? Uh, like physically close, there was that one play. Well, I was on the ice and I kind of went, <laughs> put it behind the net actually and I hit the net. Jamie Ben grabs it behind the net and does a wraparound and I don't even know if Benner like kind of was over. I don't know if you understood where the puck was or what happened on the play because I kind of screwed up myself and I, he grabbed it and he did a wraparound and luckily had his pad on the ice and I'm pretty sure the puck was on the goal line I thought they scored so I was like oh, I just screwed up this whole playoff run this whole year with one play but um no I was it was kind of that was how close it was it was crazy game seven like yeah, and game, it was seven game seven overtime and it was double OT I'm yeah. pretty sure it was singular double OT which is I was like oh man here we go like and then end up not being a goal so it was it was all good and then I think we end up scoring a few few shifts later off the faceoff. Uh, Colton Pareko is in studio from the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. If you have any uh, questions for Colton, fire him his way. You can text When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30, 6.30, 6.30, 6.30, the phone number is 780-496-0063. He's going to stick around until about 6.45. We also have a full Eskimos preview for tomorrow's game. All coming up on Inside Sports. You're listening to 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Moran to the corner. O'Reilly at the hash mark speeds Pareko. Pareko waits, shoots, scores! Colton Pareko puts the Blues on the board, brings them back within one. Hey, there you scored a goal. There you go. Every once in a while. Got a couple in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think you guys won either game you scored in, unfortunately. No, no we didn't. I don't think so. Not I'm, that there's really a connection, just kind of funny how it yeah. turned out. No, I I agree. I don't think we did. I think, well, we got lost like 7-2 or 6-2, I think, one of the games. Yeah, you got one, one of those, yeah. So, I mean. Well, you got you got the trophy that mattered. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's a seven-game series. Uh, this, Jared says, is Dustin Bufflin the scariest dude in the <laughs> NHL or who is? <laughs> I mean, he's he is a big boy. I mean, Luckily, I got to play with Revo for a couple of years too. He's a pretty right. big boy as well. Uh, I've seen him have a couple of good fights. 
We got a caller, uh, Nolan Krause is on the line, the former mayor of St. Albert. And Nolan, when I first knew you, you were coaching in the AGHL, but uh, I guess you got something for Colton tonight. Well, I do. Th- thanks for uh, thanks for taking my call. First of all, Colton, uh, St. Albert's proud of you. Congratulations. And uh, uh, Colton, I have a question about uh, the trade deadline. And you may or may not know, but in these parts, at the trade deadline, your name was coming up all the time as a potential trade. And I, I, we often wondered if you were aware of, of those rumors or if there was actually any basis to it other than the fact that at that time you, were, you guys were climbing the standing. But... Uh, so, uh, congratulations. We're proud of you. And uh, thoughts on this trade thing? Yeah, I mean, I personally don't know how much or how what's going on between each all the GMs or whatever. But uh, yeah, some like. I mean, it's kind of known out there a little bit at TSN. At one point, I think put me as a top guy for trade uh, on dead dead at the deadline. I think and. Um, or not even at the deadline. I think that was like maybe probably when you guys early were, January. Yeah, when you guys were not doing well. Uh, kind of mid-January, we started to kind of turn it up. So by the deadline, we kind of hit a good little peak. I think we won 11 in a row, or we were close to that at at that point. So, um, but I definitely heard heard the rumors for sure. Kind of you have buddies and kind of family and stuff that kind of keep you in the loop, even if you don't have social media. But um, yeah, I was where kind of my name was being thrown around, but I wasn't sure how. You never know how much. Re- reality there is to it between the, the teams I guess and the coaches and yeah. the GMs. A lot of, lot of trade rumors. Yeah, and the the exactly. one that always comes true sometimes make people think they're all going to come true. But <laughs> I, 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 people know if they listen to the show, I'm not a big trade rumor guy because you could spend hours just talking about trade rumors yeah. and then the next day, oh none of, the, none of them happen. Uh, you're sticking around after the 6.30 news. Quick question here from Jeff. Who? Well, now remember the market you're in. Okay. Who's the hardest NHLer to defend? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay. Well, I always it's it's easy to say McDavid, obviously, because he's obviously such a good player and elite player, and he probably is. But I kind of like to tell people that there's so many different types of players to defend in the league. Like, um, obviously, McDavid's is the hardest, but you kind of got players like Patrick Kane, who doesn't have the speed of McDavid, but he's got he slows the game down he kind of makes the game his he's he's so patient with the puck he he finds players he just gives himself so much space where it's, he's hard to defend that way that he pulls up and after he kind of gets across the blue line waits for a guy once you close in on him he passes the puck and he goes around you so um there's just so many different players that are tough to defend in different ways i guess so you kind of got to be aware of who you're playing against and i know i kind of threw a spin on the question a little bit but um yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of obviously you can say McDavid, but um, just kind of kind of elaborate it a little bit by myself. Yeah, no, we'll we'll touch a little bit more on that when we get back. Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues is in studio inside sports on six thirty. Chet. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader six thirty. Chet. Pareko out at the blue line with Tarasenko. They come down to O'Reilly to Pareko. He shoots it. They score! It deflects off Carlos back and into the net and a slap shot goal from Colton. Pareko makes it a 5-2 game. 
Unfortunately, not for St. Louis in that one, as we were talking about earlier. But I've, I've played your two playoff goals from uh, from this season. Uh, the Blues did not win those games, but obviously you guys win the Stanley Cup and ex- an exciting series over the Boston Bruins. Uh, did you feel the hate in Boston? <laughs> A little bit, yeah. I mean, those were good games. Some of those games, like they they were throwing stuff on the ice, and uh, I mean, game. I want to say game four, maybe. It was four or six. I think there was kind of that like controversial call where we kind of tripped the guy up by the hash well, marks. Well, uh, I think it was game five. Game five in game Boston, five. yeah. Game five, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, yes. Game five. I'm flipping, flipping. That's all. Okay. But yeah, game five where the, yeah we got, we got that controversial call and we won the game and people weren't happy. <laughs> <laughs> there was stuff on the ice, <laughs> to put throwing beers league. on the ice. Gatorades flew right by my head a couple times. It was crazy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this texture says, hey, Colton, you were a bit of a late bloomer. Can you speak to that, how you stuck with it, and when you felt there might be a future playing hockey? Yeah, I mean, I kind of just stuck with it through midget. I mean, obviously in midget I was playing double A. I wasn't even playing triple A. And uh, just wanted to obviously – keep playing with my buddies uh, I still enjoyed going to the rink and having a good time with them and um, I just hit a growth spurt kind of there too so a couple of people told me to kind of just continue with it stick with it and um, at least worst that happens you go have some fun with your buddies and um, gain some new buddies and uh, it'll be a good time and uh, at the same time I was kind of thinking like maybe I should kind of start focusing on going to college or right. uh, I might need to start looking into getting getting a job here or something like that so um, I ended up sticking with it uh, I grew like four or five inches one year and I just kind of stuck with it played there and then my second year of midget when I was playing double a uh my coach kind of got me a tryout in Fort McMurray uh, and I had no idea what I was doing or what I was getting myself into I've never worked out one time in my life before um but anyhow I go up to Fort McMurray and somehow I make the make the team I don't really know how I was playing, what if I was doing anything right, if uh, <laughs> anything like and that. Was Gord so, coaching already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gordo, Gordo was up there, but yeah, we, I remember we played a couple exhibition games. We played Portage, and um, after one of the exhibition games, I mean, he kind of told me that I was going to start start the season or play with playing for McMurray. So it was kind of a different feeling for us. And then after that, I had a decent year. My first year, I kind of was in and out of the lineup. Um, kind of the sixth and seventh D-men and then uh, after that first year I started talking to some college schools which was really cool because I was like super pumped just to make the AJHL because um, that was like my only invite to an AJ campus to Fort McMurray which I basically got through kind of just a little bit of help so it was a lucky bounce I got to get the tryout in Fort McMurray and then after that I kind of just kept working on my skating and stuff like that because I was big obviously you can't teach size so um, just continued to work on my skating and and skills and then uh, my second year I came and I played a lot of the minutes and played a lot of the games uh, and that was beneficial and that's when I committed to the University of Alaska and then I was obviously pumped about that and then after my I think I got drafted after my second year in Fort McMurray as well Mm -hmm. I got skipped over my first year in the NHL draft so my second year eligibility I got drafted into the NHL uh, and then I went up to Alaska for three years and then yeah I guess I just kind of took off I kind of just stuck with it and uh before you know it I was I was playing in Chicago in the NHL after my third year and then the next year I started the the year in the NHL so you're six five now six 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 yeah. give so, or take I guess well I mean everybody's taller than me so it's all the same <laughs> uh so, so what your growth sport your growth spurt was at what 16 
Probably around there, 15, 16, from yeah. One, from what height to what height? Probably like, I was like a 5'8 to a 6'1, 6'2 kind of. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Jeez, it was like okay. one summer, so I got back on the ice, and I'm like, kind of like, like I was the average size guy out there. Sure. Did, like growing up in Bantam, and I'm like, and all of a sudden midget hit, and I was kind of the big guy, and it was weird. We had uh, a couple Eskimos in last week from the offensive line, Travis Bond and David Beard. And Bond, what did Tra- Kellen, what did he say he was? 6'3", 250 in grade 7? <laughs> <Wow. laughs> it's like, yes, you're going to go play sports. We, we, yeah, all, the, all the coaches no, yeah. are fighting over what team he's going to be on. That's great. No uh, no other options. You're, you're on the team. Rob says, which players did you look up to when you were coming up in the junior leagues? And I guess through college as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot of different players. I think, obviously, a big guy was Pronger, and he's kind of plays a, a strong game and um he was a good player and he was playing in edmonton too for a couple of years so he was kind of easy to follow and then i don't know i kind of watch a lot of different guys i think there's a lot of guys that have different different abilities like eric carlson he's obviously a really offensive player but um it's cool to learn a little bit of things from him and then guys you have dowdy who's in the league uh shea weber they kind of all bring different things uh so it's kind of cool to watch different players like that and kind of try to pick their pick their position and how they play it a little mm-hmm. bit and try to steal some of what they got, I guess. Uh, Calgary and Winnipeg underway in the CFL. Good showdown tonight. These teams coming in at 5-2. and two. We're just into the first minute of the game, so we'll keep you updated tonight. Uh, prospects playoff game in Okotoks. Stingers tipping off at 7 against Saskatchewan at the uh, Expo Centre. The Stingers have won 9 in a row. This is their last home game of, uh, of the regular season. Colton, your day with the Cup. Uh, I mean, you did so many special things. I think you went to the Stollery. Yep. Uh, you went to the brick tournament. Yeah. You spent time with family and friends. Can, can you can you sum it up? Is there a, yeah. a highlight or a moment? I mean, the whole day is a highlight. It's it's pretty cool when, I mean, I got it at nine in the morning, and the best thing is when they kind of show up and there's the Stanley Cup right there waiting for you, and it's like, all right, this is your day to have it, and um, you pull it out of the case and just the look on your family's face and everybody's faces there's just such it's just such a cool day and such a cool feeling and then like you mentioned so i started at the house uh my house well, i guess my parents house uh in the morning we were there for about an hour an hour and a half just uh enjoying our immediate family time uh just taking some pictures and stuff and having a couple memories and then we went over to the Solary children's hospital uh where my mom and both my sisters work so it's kind of cool to kind of have that connection and uh, i thought it was important to share with some some people that could use a couple smiles some families that could use some smiles and um i try to keep relationships with like with those uh with like that in st louis um with the hospitals and ronald mcdonald house so i thought that was important to do that and then went to the uh, local hockey tournament, the Brick Tournament, like you mentioned, and that was really cool. Obviously, these nine or ten year old kids that uh, want to obviously play in the NHL and win a Stanley Cup, and to to bring it into the locker room with some of those kids was pretty funny. They didn't even really believe it was real, and um, so I thought that was really cool. And then we took it over to my grandpa's house, which was special. Um, he had a big part of my hockey career. He took me to all my games he was at every game if he didn't take me we had many road trips together to manitoba saskatchewan right. you name it so um we spent a lot of time in in uh just growing up and after every single game or practice i came out uh he'd have gatorade in his hand waiting to ha- waiting for me so that was it's funny how you remember those things but um those are important important things that i remember so um it's it was special to take it to his house he's obviously a big part of my career and my upbringing and um i appreciated everything that he's done for me so 
that was awesome. And then we uh, ended up going around St. Albert, taking uh, some pictures, of it, like the welcome to St. Albert. Nice. Just kind of different areas around St. Albert that we thought were kind of cool, and we thought that as kids we would kind of run around St. Albert and kind of were meaningful, I guess, for us. And then we uh, went to a golf course and had dinner with family and close friends. And then um, after dinner I invited a couple more more friends over uh, just to kind of – see it take some pictures and okay enjoy what it. what beverages were consumed out of the stanley cup uh for my Variety? day we had <laughs> well i'll start with start easy we had slurpee oh no way <laughs> yeah. my niece and my nephew uh they're three and one so my niece really wanted slurpee i heard it the whole playoffs she's like you got to win the cup for for the slurpee out of the cup i, I want to drink slurpee i'm like all right i'll see what i can do no promises but we'll try our best so we end up getting so we got slurpees that was funny um we had i don't know beer a water gatorade um champagne obviously wine i think at some point kind of we had everything i think but uh and does the cup keeper ever be like wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute or clean it out <laughs> no i mean it's kind of just, just a free i think some i did we didn't have any food in there or anything at least so right. i'm sure if we had that like i saw some guys had like spaghetti and stuff in there i mean oh, I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't i don't even know if i would want to drink out of there after spaghetti in there i'd probably clean it out but um no he was he was really lenient or they were we had two cup keepers there so they're lenient they just let you enjoy the day which is is really cool and um no yeah that was kind of the day and it was it was a fun day it goes by quick but it's it's a lot a lot of things one day but before you know it it's midnight and they they take it and they got to move on to the next guy the next day so um it was it was a really cool day it was a special day for not only me my family and um all my friends so that was uh, a lot of fun all right, I'm going to apologize to uh, textures. We're, we're not going to get to every question. Uh, Colton uh, has uh, has a life he's going to live, so we're going to let him go, and, and we got to preview some Eskimos uh, stories and do some other stuff. But I, I really appreciate you coming in. It was uh, it was fun watching you. I appreciate you doing Inside Sports. You're already booked yeah. for sometime next summer. Sound fair? Perfect. And then we can let's, catch up on some yeah, of the texts. Yeah, exactly. We'll uh, put those in the archives and <laughs> get back to them. That is Colton Pareko from the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. Awesome. Thank Thanks for having me. Hi, this is Greg Ellingson of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Shed. Eight and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Winnipeg leading Calgary 3-0 in the CFL. Tomorrow, the Eskimos host the Ottawa Red Blacks. The play-by-play here on 630 Chad will be provided by this fine gentleman, the one and only Morley Scott. Morley, how are you doing? I'm excellent. Reed, how are you tonight? I'm doing great. It's nice to see you. I know you're getting ready for the call tomorrow. A lot to talk about with this football game. But my goodness, a WWE superstar in the flesh. Roman Reigns is going to be at the football game. In fact, he was uh, at uh, Commonwealth Stadium today. And I'll tell you what, Reed, uh, you're going to hear it later. I really enjoyed listening to him tell stories and talk about memories of when he was a member of the Edmonton Eskimos. Uh, Of course, he wasn't Roman Reigns then. He was Joe... Anawahi. Good, uh, very good. Thank you. Uh, a defensive <laughs> lineman. Uh, he had one real good game in 2008 against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, he had, I think he had five tackles and a forced fumble at the end of the game on Casey Printers. And he talked about that today. Yeah, he, he really has fond memories. He, you could tell he loves football. Uh, he really loves football. I think he's enjoying himself uh, in Edmonton, uh, bringing back a lot of memories that, for him, kind of foggy, kind of long time ago. It was 2008 when he was here. But, yeah, he, he enjoyed, I enjoyed listening to him today. 
but you let Dave ask most of the questions, I, right? You know what? That is Dave's You're territory. That is yeah. Dave's territory. Just like if Def Leppard were coming to Commonwealth <laughs> Stadium uh, to do an interview, I would let you handle it. Th- right? Thank you, okay. and I would do the same for Billy you Joel, with, with Billy. You get you get Billy Joel. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Morley. I had Billy on Inside Sports <laughs> last night. Never never thought to tell you. Okay. Well, that that'll that'll be fun. That's a a fun little uh, side story for the Eskimos game tomorrow against the Red Blacks. Man, the the old warhorse isn't going to be able to play for the next few weeks for the Eskimos. Calvin McCarty injured in practice uh, yesterday, and they've put him on the six-game injured list. And and I don't know, the six-game injured list is not like the old nine-game injured list. I mean, teams just put guys on the six-game injured That's just basically the injured list now. They can pull them off there, and there's no issues. And if they, for some reason, stay on the list, then their salary over that span doesn't count against a salary cap. So I think everybody just pretty much goes on there just in case, right? So I don't know how long it's going to be. But, yeah, uh, they'll miss him. He's, he's uh, uh, talking to Jason Moss today, an integral part of not just what he does offensively. Uh, he's big in uh, pass protection. Uh, if you watch the games and watch Calvin McCarty, you see him. He has a big role in pass protection. He's also a big role. He's that release valve so many times coming out of the backfield, and we've seen him make the one-handed catches uh, you know, year after year after year. So uh, steady and so reliable out of the backfield. But he's also on the special teams. And the special teams, uh, all the guys who are injured for the most part uh, right now have been our special teamers, and that's causing part of the problem. I think that's part of the problem we saw in Calgary with so many return yards uh, racked up because there are just so many new guys in different places. So uh, that's been an issue. They'll really miss Calvin McCarty for however long he's out. All right. So receiver-wise, Kenny Stafford got traded. But that is correct, Reed. Greg Ellingson. And yes, I, I read the 630Chad website. Like Greg Ellingson and Devaris Daniels uh, uh, are, are back in. Well, that's part of the trade for that, that they made. You know, Kenny Stafford goes to Saskatchewan. They get Christian Jones back, who is a uh, who is a top-notch returner. But that also frees up a spot at the receiver position because the Eskimos are deep there at the international receiver spot. They were having trouble at this year getting everybody into the lineup, and they needed someone to get hurt to get other guys into the lineup lineup and Greg Ellingson was out and Kevin Elliott uh, uh, came in to play for him last week and earlier on there were some injuries and Devaris Daniels came into the lineup at that point when they flipped the ratio on the offensive line to get another American in so now they've got a spot opened up so Greg Ellingson comes back today Uh, Kevin Elliott uh, goes back onto the practice roster and Devaris Daniels comes in as well so there as Trevor Harris was saying he said going into the season we're thinking that Devaris Daniels and Greg Ellingson were going to be our our one-two receivers. Uh, we haven't had them together for very many games. Now we get them back, and that's one thing the trade has done. It's opened up that spot a little bit for the Eskimos. Although, I mean, Kenny Stafford was having a great season. He was 10th yeah. in the league in receiving, so you can't really complain about anything he had done. He'd been a good player for them for a lot of years. It's practice, but it's all we've seen of him so far as an Eskimo, and he wasn't playing every game with the Riders. What did you see from Kristen Jones, the new returner? Explosiveness, and it's tough to really judge a returner in practice, right. like you say. And I know I usually have the conversation with the special teams coordinators every training camp about returners and how difficult it is to judge what they do because nothing is even close to game simulated in practice for a kick returner. But I talked to A.J. Gass today, and he said uh, he was real impressed with what he saw this week. First and foremost is just 
just his his ability to get under the ball quickly and to take off. His first step is always forward. His first step is always going the right direction, going the direction you want him to go in. Uh, and he's a little different uh, than Martise Jackson, who is a little bit more of a dipsy doodler, and he'll, as we've seen, he'll run sideways He'll a go the bit. wrong way, more. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but because Christian Jones is a bit bigger and a bit stronger, he's able to go forward, and he's able to, to bounce some guys a little bit, and, and, and let's, I guess the best analogy would be um, Martise Jackson finds the holes, Christian Jones makes the holes. All right, last question. What about the Ottawa Red Blacks should be most concerning for people watching the game tomorrow? Special teams. Okay. Absolutely special teams. We saw what Deadman did last week, two, two touchdowns on, uh, on kick returns. Uh, but the other thing is they've got the world's greatest field goal kicker. And I don't just mean now. I mean, in the history of the world, he's the greatest field goal kicker ever to live. Uh, what did he, he's, he's still, he's only missed his very first his pro very kick. very first one last year. He missed his very first This is Lewis Ward kick. we're talking about, yeah, yeah, Lewis Ward. Very first kick last year, and he's hit 67 straight since then. He has not missed a field goal since his first game. So that's a CFL. That's a pro football That's a pro record. football record. That's a world record. I think we should call Guinness. <laughs> Might be a wor- it, it well. Is, I might uh, place yeah. an order too if we call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give me sixteen ounces, and I got a record for you. So, uh, yeah, that's that. To me, that's their that's the best part of their their defense is is okay. Their offense has really struggled this year, and they've had both quarterbacks play. They're a better team, it seems, when uh, uh, when uh, Dom Davis is playing uh, uh, than when Jonathan Jennings is playing. And 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 Davis will play in the game tomorrow night. But their offense has not produced a lot of uh, of successful plays. This year. All right. Morley, see you at the stadium. All right. Talk to you later. That is Morley Scott tomorrow at 6, the pregame show, game at 8. Eskimos against the Red Blacks. Lewis Ward, 67 consecutive field goals. Adam Vinatieri had the all-time record of 44. So Ward well past that. The uh, the CFL record was 39 by Rennie per- uh, Paredes. Of the Calgary Stampeders. Stampeders losing 10 0 to Winnipeg, five minutes left in the first quarter. Part one of a four part weekly feature coming up in the next half hour of the show. How we watch, how are teams getting fans to watch in this digital age? Rick Lalashur from the BC Lions, formerly president of the Eskimos, he's coming up. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.